Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to Psalm chapter 95. Psalm chapter number 95. I'm going to talk this morning, preach this morning on the subject of three choices that will make a difference. Three choices that will make a difference. I had worked on a message for quite some time and I was going to preach it. I I'd got the idea from somewhere else and written some things down and was talking to one of my brother-in-laws about the thing and got the thing ready, had it typed up and Went home last night, looked over it, and talked to my wife a little while, and it got home pretty late, and a guy in my Sunday school class had caught some trout yesterday. He said, if you come to my house, and I'll give you some trout. I've already got it filleted. And I drove over to his house. He's 82 years of age, and went home, and I cooked a trout for dinner. Uh, had a balanced meal, because uh, I had banana bread with that, so it was good. So <laughs> had that, and uh, talked to my wife a little bit, then uh, exercised, and my wife Let's me know when she's ready for bed. I stopped and we had our prayer time together. I went back to finish my exercise and showered. And I looked, at, looked over my notes and I said, you know what? I don't think this is what I'm supposed to work on. So I sat down at my dining room table and got up my Bible and some paper to write on and started writing down some things I've been thinking about at the start of the semester. I finished about 1230 this morning and I called my typist, Andrea Dedunka. She did not answer the phone for some reason at 1230. Uh, but she did text me at 5, do you need something? I said, yes, I really need you to type something up for me. So she met me at 7.15, and so I gave to her, she typed it up. And I really believe this is what the Lord wanted me to speak on today. And I believe we have to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. We have to say that here, and I believe this will be a help to you. We have all made choices in our life that have impacted our life. Have any of you ever bought a car that you greatly wish you had not bought. Anyone like that? I did that before I was married. I was dating my wife, Sousa, and I had a perfectly good Pontiac Catalina. It was about three or four years old. It was paid for, looked good, no dents, no scratches. It ran well. But I wanted to impress Sousa. And so I went out. Remember, one driver, not married. I decided to buy a second car. How stupid is that? They offered to do trade-in on my car, but they offered me a ridiculously low price, so I said, forget it. I'll just keep them both. And uh, I went out and I bought a Mercedes-Benz. Back in that day and time, almost 40 years ago, I paid $14,000 for it. That's $4,000 more than I'm paying for the Yukon, that I paid for my Yukon, that I've been driving for the last 12 years. I said, this is going to impress her. It was beige, had leather interior, had a sunroof. I mean, it was feeling good. I bought it on a Wednesday. Got to church, and my, I was just a little bit late. Leaders are on time, of course. And uh, <laughs> sat down next to Sousa. And I said, so what you do? I said, I, I went shopping. I'm setting the stage for this. She said, what for? I said, I bought a Mercedes. And she said, what's that? <laughs> the worst car I've ever owned. Absolutely the worst car I've ever owned. I won't go to the stories. I don't have time. We've already had too many videos. So, but it was a bad car. It was a bad choice. Have you ever made a bad choice with the wrong friend? When you have a good friend, well, I'll tell you what. He that walks with wise men should be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. A good choice will strengthen you. It'll help you. Man, I'm, th I'm thankful for my wife. I've told classes for years. 
She's the first person I dated who made me want to be a better Christian. She helped me with that. And we heard a lot of people about loving the Lord, loving the college. Appreciate Erica Fernandez's staunch shout out to uh, Mr. Anderson there, but moving on. Uh, maybe. Okay, moving on. But I thank the Lord for that choice in my life. But today I'm going to talk about three choices I believe every one of you makes in here every day. And I'm going to present this as an either or. And I really believe every one of us makes these choices every single day. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 95, verses 7 and 8. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, so if you're going to hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now I'm going to tell you what happened in the wilderness and what the children of Israel did wrong. If you read Proverbs on a daily basis, and I really encourage you to do that, in Proverbs chapter 12 this morning, you read in verse 13, the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips. In verse 14, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. So all three of these choices I'm going to talk about today will often come about by things we say and the things we do. What was the psalmist talking about in Psalm 95 when he talked about what happened the day of provocation? We know there were people in Israel who walked by faith. Abraham walked by faith, a friend of God. We know that Joshua had an attitude of faith, that Daniel had an attitude of faith. But in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel are getting ready to go into the promised land, the land of Canaan. And you know the story. They sent in the 12 spies. As a kid, you probably sang the song, 10 were bad and two were good. We know what happened that two of the spies said, man, this is an amazing land. Yes, there's giants there, but with God's help, we can take it. But 10 said, oh no, we can't do this. This is not going to work. It's not going to happen. And it's very interesting that the two good spies said, well, if the Lord delight in this, it's going to be okay. And by the way, I believe the Lord is delighted that you're trading to serve the Lord. I cannot tell you, young people, what a great need there is for you in the harvest field. We're down to about 25 graduates of this year's senior class of 178, I think, that are not placed right now. And numbers of them have multiple opportunities. I talked to Nick Coral at the game the other night. This church wants him for this. This church wants him for this. This church wants him to be an athletic director and a teacher. I don't know where he should go. I'm praying that God will make, help make the right decision. But there's a great need for you out there. Well, it's interesting that the two men who said the right thing, the congregation didn't agree with them. They made a wrong choice. So what is it that I would think is a choice that you're going to make on a regular basis? The children of Israel that wanted to stone the two good spies, they made to stone them. God wasn't happy with that. He said, okay, all of you except for those men will die in the wilderness. It was a bad choice. So today when I talk about choices that make a difference, and choices that I believe you make, and by the way, I'm going to say this as well, that I make on a daily basis. I'm asking the Lord to help me to make the right choices in these areas. Because I believe if we do that, God will be pleased. Let's ask the Lord to help us in these next few minutes. Lord, I really believe this is what you wanted me to share today. 
I pray that I'll do it with clarity. I pray the students will listen. And I pray that for our having been here today and as we look at these tenets of the Word of God, that we will strive to be closer to being the Christians you saved us to be. Please help me with that, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me say this, folks. Murmuring kept Israel in the wilderness. I've just said that as a foundational thought. If you're like me, my heart is easy to gripe or to complain or to murmur. And God hates murmuring and complaining. He hates it. I think I might have done it last hour. I was in the, in the Revels building. Man, my hands were cold in the room I was in. I asked the class, is it just me or is this room cold? And the class goes, it's cold. Right. But then I started thinking about some of my friends in places like Indiana and Illinois. I asked Joe King. His dad is a pastor in Niagara Falls, New York. I said, what's it like there today, Joe? I saw him walking out of the Rose Building. He said, it's 30 degrees and snowing. I'll take Lancaster, thank you. But the heart of man's never satisfied. So where are the three choices we're going to make? Number one, we have to choose to replace complaining with thanking. To replace complaining with thanking. Do you know that thanking is a command from God? I'll ask you a tough question this morning. When was the last time you thanked someone in the kitchen for a meal that was well prepared? When was the last time you thanked Brother Shetler for a good activity? Or some of those who helped him, like Austin and others. So, man, that was a great activity. We had a great time. It's so easy to take for granted the things that happened. The Bible says this, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Are you a thankful person? A thankful person. The Bible says in Psalm 97 verse 12, Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. We serve a holy God. He saved us. I was teaching and pro-training this morning. I said if we realize that what we deserve is to go to hell, we'll be a lot more thankful. That's what we deserve. Be thankful to the remembrance of His holiness. The psalmist said in Psalm 140, verse 13, Surely, listen now, the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. Who's giving thanks? The righteous give thanks. The righteous give thanks. If you grew up in a Christian home like I did, maybe your parents were constantly elbowing you or encouraging you to say thank you. Anyone have that in their home besides me? I'll never forget my dad saying one time, he said, uh, did you get that money from your grandmother? It was his mom who sent me, I think, $10 for my birthday. I go, yeah, that was great. He said, well, she's not going to send any more. I said, huh? He goes, she didn't think you, you liked it. I said, what? Who doesn't want $10? He goes, well, she didn't get a thank you note. I had a new vision to write a thank you note right then. You know what? Sometimes we're so busy, we forget to say thank you. Let's be thankful Christians. John Tanner's coming home from the hospital today. I texted him last night and told him I was praying for him. He said, I get to go home tomorrow. He texted me this morning. He said, I'm going home today. Ladies and gentlemen, he's 27 years of age. His cousin's in the college student body. He's gone from 146 pounds down to like 115 pounds. 
chemo and radiation, stage four cancer. I pray that God will touch his life. I hope you'll pray for him as well. I'm going to say this, friends. If you're healthy today, you've got a lot to be thankful for. A lot to be thankful for. Elwin, with his dad having cancer, your parents are healthy. You've got a lot to be thankful for. By the way, Elwin's got something to be thankful for. His dad's saved. The Bible says this in Psalm 6, 5, For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? The time will come when we can't be thankful anymore. So let's be thankful while we have the opportunity. Let's make the choice to put aside complaining and to be thankful. I know it's not natural. About a year and a half ago, my kids put out their second CD. And I mean, of course, I liked it. But there was a businessman who really liked it. He said to me, he said, I would like you to give out some of those CDs every week. I said, well, you know, they cost money. He said, what do you sell them for? I said, well, we sell them to the bookstore for like $10. He said, how about if I buy them? He said, what I want you to do, he said, I'm going to send you a check every week and you give away that many CDs. And for a year, he sent me $300 every week. Do the math of that real quick. Right? $15,000 in CDs. So every week I would give the kids, I divided up, $33 for each kid that CDs were paid for, and I would send them out. Drea knows this. First I send them to, I have a list of preachers I pray for every week. It's about 185 of them. I send them to all of them. But at 30 a week, we got through those pretty quick. I remember a year ago at the banquet at leadership with the alumni, I gave one to every alumni who was there. It was like 400 of them. I was looking for things to get away. But one day, something started bothering me. I said, I've given away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these CDs. And here's what I, you know what started bothering me? Almost nobody said thank you. It costs $2.65 to ship one CD. It's called Media Mail, I know. But the CD sells the bookstore for 15 bucks. You would think somebody could say thank you, and it just started bothering me inside. I said to the business, I said, I'm sorry, if I did get a thank you, don't usually a text or an email. I'd forward it to the guy who, I said, thank you for the music ministry. This is a blessing to somebody. But we heard from so very, very, very few people. But then this businessman said to me, he says, well, you know what? That happened to Jesus too. Do you remember the story of the ten lepers? Healed from the most devastating disease of that time, leprosy. And one came back and said, thank you. Do you know what Jesus said? If you ever wonder if people know whether or not you said thank you, Jesus said, and I quote, were there not ten? Were there not ten? I wonder, who is it back at your home that you should thank? Is it a youth pastor? Your pastor? People who are praying for you? People who have helped you? Maybe someone who's helped you financially? Man, be thankful. I know I've been guilty. My dad paid for me to have braces when I was in high school. I don't know if I ever really said thank you. Well, that's what parents do. I thought that's what parents do until I had to pay like 4500 for my son's braces. When I did that, I said, Dad, thank you. That's a hit. Let's make sure that we are thankful Christians. One turned back, and with a loud voice, he glorified God.
man, I'm telling you what, if I had leprosy, take it away. I hope I would loudly glorify God and thank Him. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. If you know the Bible, you know Romans 1 has a long list of bad sins. Some of those sins include murder, homosexuality, idolatry, covetousness, backbiters, haters of God. Oh, Romans 1.21, neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. When I was praying about this last night, this morning, I prayed, said, Lord, help all of us here, students, faculty, staff, administration, everyone, to be thankful Christians. It's a choice we choose today. What if we chose to thank someone every day this year for something? I think it would change us and be a blessing to others. Thankfulness is a decision. I love reading. Some of you may know that. (laughs) I grew up in a home that had no television and no comic books. We were very deprived. And... uh, but my parents were big on books. I remember books that I loved to read as a kid. I remember Hans Brinker, The Silver Skates. I remember Swiss Family Robinson. I remember Black Beauty, the Black Stallion books. Of course, that Christian series, The Hardy Boys. And uh, I remember that. But one of my favorite books growing up was written by a believer way back in 1719. The book was called Robinson Crusoe. Anyone read that besides me? Man, I thought that was an awesome adventure. It was a great book. Well, knowing he's a Christian, there's some things that came out in the book. And it tells about a man who was, his ship crashed. Everybody in the ship died except him. And he ends up on this tropical island. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If everybody was dead, you're there alone, that'd be kind of a bummer. But what happened there was this man decides to make a list. It's in the book of what I would call debits and credits. Bad things and good things. And here's what he said that book, literally, 300 years ago. He said, I'm on an island with no hope of rescuing. From the other side of the page, he said this, I'm alive and not dead like everybody else. Then he said this, I am separated from the world. Then he said, God saved me from death. Then he said, I have no clothes to wear. He said, I'm in a tropical climate where I don't need them. And by the way, if you're in my Genesis class, we talked about modesty yesterday. He didn't make clothes. Okay, but moving on. (laughs) He said, I have no means of defense. He said, there's no wild animals here. I'm just off the coast of Africa where I'd probably be killed. He said, I have no one to supply me or relieve me. But then he said, but the boat is crashed on rocks not too far away, and I could swim out there and get a lot of supplies off the ship that could keep me going for years. How do we look at things? You know the analogy. Do you see the glasses half full or half empty? That poor gentleman there, taken from a true story for 27 years, was looking at the good things. Psalm 107 says, 8, 
Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness. I like the song, let's just praise the Lord. I like the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. I believe if we follow those precepts, that we will replace and choose thanksgiving over complaining. Secondly, this morning, and I've got just three this morning, let's, let's replace a criticizing attitude with a loving attitude. A criticizing attitude, replace it with a loving attitude. There was a city that was moving from one town to another, and a family was moving, and they pulled into town, and they were asking where a certain subdivision was, and the man told them, the guy said, well, what kind of people are in this town? The man asked him, he said, um, what kind of people were in the town where you're coming from? He goes, oh, they were mean, a bunch of liars, dishonest. The man said, well, that's what we have here too. Can I say this? We kind of find what we're looking for. Are you looking for things to be happy about or things that we can criticize? In Numbers chapter 12, we read the story of Miriam and Aaron who are criticizing Moses. This was a problem. <laughs> By the way, don't lift your hand against the Lord's anointed. Don't criticize the pastor, the man of God. And they criticized him, and they didn't like that he was doing all the prophesying. They didn't like that he was married to an Ethiopian. And God didn't like the fact that they didn't like it. And that same chapter, all of a sudden, Miriam is given that horrible disease of leprosy. Amazing. You know why? They were criticizing someone else. It's so easy. <laughs> when I was talking about attitude, Brother Shepherd said, Matthew chapter 5, and he was thinking about one thing. But I thought about Matthew 5 too. That's where it says, judge not lest ye be judged. That's where it says, be careful about the beam, the emote in someone else's eye when you have a beam in your own eye. It's so easy to see the problems of other people. So are we going to be the people who are criticizing, or are we going to be loving? The Bible says in that same chapter, 12.1, we see what they did. In 12.9 it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Let's not have the attitude that will cause God's anger to be kindled against us. You know what it means to kindle a fire. In my house, I used to get some newspapers and put them under the grate and some kindling wood to put the logs on top of it. The kindling gets the flame going. They're criticizing, got God going. And it didn't work out well for them. Oswald Chambers said this, Whenever you enter into a critical temper, it is impossible to enter into a communion with God. Whenever you have a critical spirit, you will not have communion with God. Let's ask God to help us with that. So we know we don't want to have a critical spirit, but what kind of a loving spirit? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a great love chapter of the Bible. And most of you know, if you've been Christians for any time, that there's different types of love. There's eros love, where we get the word erotica, a physical, a sensual love. There's phileo love, uh, the city of Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. But in this particular chapter, it talks about agape love. And I think it would be an awesome thing if each of us here in the room today said, you know what, I want to have an agape love in my life. I'm going to tell you what that means. 
It simply means you before me. You before me. Or let's use the Bible words, in honor, preferring one another. Again, that's not natural. That's why we have to crucify the flesh daily. But do we have agape love? That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. Wouldn't it be great if people saw love in our life? By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have a good haircut. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you dress modestly. By this shall all men know you're my disciples if you carry tracks, and you should carry tracks. No, if you love one another. If you love one another. Do you love the roommate who sometimes bothers you? Or the person at work that is causing you a problem? I had one of the great blessings of my life happen last week. If you've ever had me for class, you've heard me talk about my time working in college. I worked at the same restaurant for seven years in St. John, Indiana. It was called Traveler's Restaurant, and then they changed the name to Barney's. I worked for an unsafe Catholic. He gambled, he smoked, he drank, he stole, he stole another man's wife. He was good to me. When I was a student, I worked six days a week. I did not work Sundays. And uh, Monday through Saturday, I worked two to ten. Saturday, I worked two to two. I was on the schedule 52 hours a week. No overtime. But it was, he gave me a raise every year. I got to go home. Most, most summers are Christmases. Not always, but most of the time. After I got into the ministry, I continued to work there three nights a week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I've often said this, I had a good testimony, but I wasn't a good witness. They knew I was a Baptist. We got the rock music out of the kitchen. We wouldn't let people tell bad jokes in the kitchen. I got a lot of Christians hired there. Carrie Schmidt worked there. John Price worked there. Dan Outler, who was Paul Kingsbury's music director for 30 years, worked there. My brother, my wife, my sister-in-law. It was a good job. But I justified in my heart, I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive people to church. Our church was 20 miles away from there. And I didn't witness to them. I last worked there in 1983. I tried to get a hold of the people. They didn't work at the restaurant anymore. They lost the restaurant to gambling debts. I heard that Gene had worked at a liquor store in St. John. I called there. He's not there. And last Thursday, unbelievably, I get an email from Gene and Pam Schilling. They said, oh, we're so glad to hear you're doing well. I've not talked to them since 1983. I didn't even know they got married. I didn't know they had kids. They didn't know I had kids. My oldest kid's 35. They said, um, you're still teaching. Do you have any children? <laughs> I said, yeah, my kids sing. I said, I'd like to send you a CD. I want to send them some other things too. I got their address. I couldn't believe it. God gave me another chance. I sent a pastor's track with a cross between the hills. I put a three-by-five card. I said, you know, going to heaven is not a religion. It's a relationship. They're Catholics. I'm going to wait till it gets there. I sent him some books, a couple CDs. I'm going to wait and call and follow up on that. God gave me another chance. Because, friends, if we really love somebody, we want to try to get them saved. I don't know if they're going to get saved. I pray they do. They're Gene's got to be 77, 78 years of age now. But you know what? God gave me another chance. I need to show some love. Man, I got that email Thursday. The letter and the books and the CDs went out Friday. And I figured by the end of this week, they'll have them. I'm going to call them. 
I said something for the son who's a history teacher. She said, we bought our son your book, 101 Tips for Teaching. I'm going, what in the world? How would they even know about that? I sent him a copy of Unbroken. I said, this is a great history book. And some other things for him. I believe God wants us to show love to other people. It's our choice. Romans 12, 10 says, Be kindly affectionate one to another in brotherly love. Let's replace a critical attitude with a loving attitude. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that true love never fails. It never fails. So let's choose love over criticism. Finally today, these are things I believe we deal with in our life on a daily basis. Let's replace doubting with believing. Let's replace doubting with believing. It's a choice. The Bible tells us in Psalms to fret not time after time. But it's so natural to worry. Even though God's word says, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. That's what he wants us to do. Doubt is not believing that God will keep his promises. You know, God says he'll supply all your needs. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your needs. I have empathy for you. I went to college like you did. I went away from home like many of you did. I paid my own tuition. I'm one of seven kids. I had doubt. Man, try to get a job, keep a job, pay the bills. It's not easy. But friends, can I tell you today, don't doubt, just trust God. Just believe. Just believe. The arm of flesh will fail you, but his arm fails not. He wants to help you. That's why the psalmist, uh, the uh, hymnist said, leaning on the everlasting arms. In Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, Isaiah said this, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. What a great verse. The Bible says that God will not hold any good thing, listen now, from them that walk uprightly. Let's just walk right, do right, do what God wants us to do. I believe if we do that, God will be pleased. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Psalm 84, verse 11. I'm going to say this, doubt will see the obstacles. Faith will see the way. Doubt sees the obstacles. And by the way, when we have that doubt, a lot of times we just see the dark night. Faith will see the stars. Faith knows morning is coming. And we have to go through the night to get to the morning. Doubt will also often take us from doubt down to despair. The children of Israel like this. They started murmuring. They started complaining. And by the way, I'll just say this again. God killed more Israelites for murmuring and complaining than he did for idolatry. He hated it. But while they started with murmuring and complaining, then they got to despair. Say, what do you mean despair? You know what they said? They said, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in the wilderness? What in the world? The strongest desire in mankind is survival. To stay alive. They said, we might as well be dead. We're in the wilderness. We're better off in Egypt where we we're safe. They forgot what Egypt was like. I believe that as believers, 
We just need to go forward by faith. You're able to see here at Lancaster Baptist Church at West Coast Baptist College a pastor, Pastor Chapel, who just presses forward by faith. The Bible says this, it says, whose faith follow? Can I ask you this? Do your siblings see you going forward by faith? Or will they see you having a tough time and giving up? Will they see you go forward? I appreciate people who will go forward by faith. So we see, first of all, there's doubt, but then there's believing. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. I love Hebrews 11. It's a collection of redwoods or sequoias of faithful lives. We could coast over them in a drone or a glider, look down at lives who were faithful. There's a song that was popular several decades ago. Will all those who come behind us find us faithful? Challenging song. I want to be found faithful to keep doing what God would have us to do. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. God blesses faith. In fact, he says without faith it's impossible. Not difficult, not hard, but it's impossible to please God. I wonder, will we be people of faith? Can I say this? You say, well, how's that going to happen? Stay in the Word of God. You stay in the Word of God, your faith will grow. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You want more faith? Stay in the Word of God. I talked to a staff member today who told me that for three consecutive months, a single lady, she read the Bible through cover to cover each month. Each month. I know for years Dr. Gibbs did that. Once a month hour and a half a day. No wonder he has faith. Did you have time to read your Bible at all this morning? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So the choices you're faced with and by the way that I'm faced with on a daily basis, certainly weekly, and people are watching to see what the choice is. I was going to title the book The Choice is Yours, but Mrs. Chapel already stole that title. The first choice is, will you choose to replace complaining with thanksgiving? Secondly, will you choose, and we all make this choice as a believer, to replace a criticizing attitude with a loving attitude? And finally, will you choose to replace doubt with faith? Can I promise you this in closing today? If you'll choose the latter, you'll have a much happier life. There's a peace and contentment that comes with making the right choice. But really, it is true. The choice is yours. I challenge you today. Let's make the right choices. Let's be thankful. Let's be loving. Let's live by faith so that God can work in us and through us. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, I pray you bless during this invitation time.